seated. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers. You guys are truly awesome. I had an amazing mother who I got to visit with this week, have an amazing mother. My mother is, is still alive. She's doing well. Got to visit with her this week and uh, just enjoyed spending time with her. But I have a lot of important mothers in my life. My wife is a tremendous mother. Uh, my mother-in-law, oh man, she's just an amazing mother as well. And I know this congregation today is just filled with amazing mothers. And, and I think about where this world would be, be at without you. And so thank you so much for all you do and, and all that you pour into your children. All right, well, for the last couple of weeks, if you're just visiting with us, or you're just tuning in for the first time with us today, for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled, What's Next? Where really, we've been talking about the afterlife. What, what happens next after we leave this life here? And in our first lesson, we talked about the return of Jesus. In week number two, we talked about what hell is like. And then last week... We talked about what happens right after we die. Now, today, we really get to my favorite part because we're going to be talking about the question, what is heaven like? You know, in this world in which we live in today, life can be difficult. It can be painful. It can be wounding. And even though deep inside we secretly long for something more, I think if we were really being honest, I would say that probably many of us, if not most of us, our hearts don't, well, don't focus in, as the scripture says, on heaven. And the reason why is because we're tempted to believe that earth is better than heaven. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, Slade, I, I really don't believe that, and, and I, I get it. But ask yourself the question this morning, where are you laying up treasures? On earth or in heaven? Listen, I think if we were really 100% honest with ourselves, we would have to say that our hearts many times drift more towards the things of this world than the world to come. I know I heard a story about a preacher several years ago who was preaching on heaven, and after he got done, he asked the congregation, he said, now, how many of you are ready to go to heaven? And man, everybody raised their hand except for one guy. And the preacher thought that that was kind of odd, and so he says, listen, if, if you want to go to heaven, he said, just stand up right where you're at. And everybody stood up except for one guy. And it just absolutely drove the, the preacher crazy. And so after the services were over, he went up to the guy and he said, Sir, he said, don't you want to go to heaven one day when you die? And the guy looked at him and he said, Yeah, absolutely. One day when I die, but I thought you were getting up a group to go today. <laughs> and, and we kind of laugh about that, right? But I, I think that that probably describes most of us. 
I mean, we would say, hey, I want to go to heaven one day, but our hearts don't really drift toward heaven right now, today. And I really believe that it's because in our minds, we think about how great we have it here. I mean, I think about the life that I have. I mean, right now, all of my kids live in Winter Haven. I have a new grandchild, and God has just blessed us here in just so many ways. And I think that many of you feel that way as well. I mean, it's just, it's, life is, is a blessing. And, and so oftentimes we're tempted to believe that this life is better than the life to come. But look at what Psalm 84 verse 10 says. Notice what the psalmist writes. Better is what, church? Said out loud. One day in your courts, O Lord, than a thousand anywhere else. In other words, one day, okay, just just one day, one moment with God in heaven is better than our best days anywhere else. But you have to admit, man, we have it so good. We are so blessed. Now, the follower of Jesus who lived in the first century, who were constantly under persecution, who really went through a lot of hard times, man, they thought about heaven a lot. In fact, one first century writer by the name of Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. So, notice what he says, we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Notice, they fix their eyes on the things that are unseen. The first century church, they talked about their hope of heaven. And and they constantly prayed, as we see in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, Come, Lord Jesus, come. I think about what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. He says, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is, why church? Even better. He says, So I long to go and be with Christ, which would be, what church? Which would be far better for me. But I think if some of us were really honest, we would say, that the hope of heaven really doesn't appeal as strongly to us today as it did those back in the first century who experienced so many hardships. Now, don't misunderstand me. We go through hardships in this life. I I think most of us would say that the whole COVID-19 thing thing was was pretty rough on, on most of us. But here's the deal. Compared to other parts of this broken world, most of us have it, most of us have it pretty good, don't we? Most of us don't live in poverty. We're not under any type of persecution. Compared to half the world, we live in affluence and in comfort. And so we don't think of heaven, right? 
maybe as much as those who lived in the first century because, again, we have it so good. But, but listen to me this morning. You and I, we were created for something more than this world that we can see right now. Something that is so much better. In fact, throughout this series, we've looked at 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, where Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. And if you're like me, you know, you've kind of read that for years, and, and maybe you've been tempted to think, well, you know, we, we can't even imagine what heaven is like, and, and so why try? But look at the very next verse, verse 10. He goes on to say, But it was to us that God, white church said out loud, revealed these things by Spirit. In other words, God the Holy Spirit speaks through His Word, through descriptions in this book to describe this amazing unseen place called heaven. Listen, we can't anticipate something if we're not allowed to imagine it, right? And so God gives us some insight into what heaven is like. Not exhaustively. We, we don't know everything there is to know about heaven, but certainly accurately, right? And, and it's so encouraging. That's, that's why we have so many songs that are written about heaven, some of which we sang today. And so today, I want to share with you some of the things that God shares with us in His Word about heaven and what it's like. And I'm just hoping and, and I am praying that God, the Holy Spirit, will help us not only to imagine what heaven is like, but also help us to anticipate going there. Here's number one, if you're taking notes with me this morning, heaven is a city. It's an actual place. I know when you watch movies today or, or maybe you watch some television show that has a description of heaven, it, it, it probably looks something like this, right? A bunch of clouds and, and that's where people are just kind of walking, walking around on a, on a bunch of clouds. But, but heaven, according to Scripture, is an actual city. It's a real place. And in fact... Um, heaven is called a city some 15 times in the last two chapters of the Bible. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, the Hebrew writer describes it like this, but they were looking for a better place. Now the who there is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Elijah, Sarah, all those from, from old, right? They were, they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a what church? A city for them. Just two chapters over. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, it says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the what church? The city that is to come. Now let me tell you something about this city. This city is massive. 
I don't know what you imagine when you imagine heaven, but, but it's absolutely ma uh, just massive. Look at Revelation 21, 14 through 17, and just kind of imagine this in your mind as I read this, as John describes what heaven will be like. The wall of the city had 12 foundational stones, and on them were written the names of the, of the 12 apostles of the, of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each, what church? 1,400 miles. Then he measured the wall and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to white church, according to human standards used by the angel. And, and I love that, according to human standards, according to our measurements, so that we could understand that this is, this is real. It's 1,400 square feet, right? Or 1,400 miles, not square feet. 1,400 miles, and, and that's in every direction, right? In, in, in length, in width, and, and even in height. And, and so if you can imagine, this city holds a lot of people. In fact, look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Notice, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. And, and notice that the diversity from every nation and every tribe and every language. In fact, I, I love Revelation 21 verse 26 because notice what it says. The nations will bring their white church their glory and honor into the city. And so you kind of get the idea that this city will have culture, art, and music from all around the world. But it's not going to have any of the things that we hate about cities. Potholes, smog, traffic jams, filth. Just imagine a city like that. Also, heaven is a place of safety. You know, when Jesus came the first time, He came as our Savior. But the next time Jesus comes, the Bible says that He will come as a judge, as a warrior. And He will destroy His enemies. Now, let me say this. When God destroys His enemies, there will be no possibility of a sequel. Okay, I know so oftentimes when we watch movies or, or, or we watch television shows, usually when the bad guy is destroyed by the, by the very end of the movie or by the, the very end of the television show, somehow, right, the bad guy comes back. Right? There's, there's a sequel, but not in this story. There is no sequel. In fact, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 25, it says, On no day will its gates, what church? Ever be shut, for there is no night there. Listen, Disney World. 
just down the street from us, which is billed as the happiest place on the face of the earth, closes its gates at night, right? But this city doesn't have to. It needs no security checkpoints or metal detectors because it says in Revelation 21 verse 27 that nothing impure will enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In heaven there will be no sin. Nothing impure will ever enter it. And, and those of you who have lived long enough, you know the effect of, of sin. You know that sin destroys everything that it touches. But let me tell you something. There will be no thought of sin except for maybe when we see the nail scars in Jesus. But sin won't be there. And you say, well, well what exactly does that mean? Well, one day we will get to live without worry. Can you imagine that? No worry, because there are, there are things, right, we, we care about in this life, but we can't guarantee we'll remain safe, like our health, or, or like our families, or, or like our, our stuff, right? We, we can't guarantee the safety of those things, and, and so we, we constantly worry. Maybe some of you heard the story about the guy who was upset and anxious all the time, just constantly worrying. Worried himself sick and his, his friends were just really concerned about him. But then one day, all of a sudden, they see him walking down the street. And he's just got a whole new demeanor. He's got a smile on his face. He's got a spring in his step. And, and he looks healthy again. And so his friends went up to him and they said, Wow, what has happened to you? You just look so different. And, and he said, Well, he said, I, I don't worry anymore. And they said, good for you. How, what did you do? He said, well, I hired someone to worry for me. And they said, you're kidding me. How much did it cost? He said, $10,000 a month. And his friend said, $10,000 a month? How could you ever afford that? He said, that's for him to worry about. Listen, the writer says the day is going to come when we can say, you know what, don't have to worry anymore. Think about how much that, think about how that would change our, our conversation with God. Do you realize that 85% of what we talk to God about, they say, 85% is about our concerns, our worries. But one day, there's not going to be any more concerns. There's not going to be any more worries. All that thing, all those things are going to be eliminated. And so guess what? We're going to have to figure out a new way to talk to God, right? We're going to have to figure out some other things that we can talk to Him about. Imagine a place like that, a place of no worry. But then also, heaven is a place of beauty. There was a young lady who was outside with her dad one night, and they were stargazing. And she said to her dad, she said, Dad, she said, if the wrong side of heaven is this pretty, what does the other side look like? John in Revelation chapter 
21 tries to describe it. He tries to describe the material that God uses to prepare this place for us. And if you want to, you can just kind of close your eyes and just try to imagine it as I read it this morning. Revelation 21, verses 18 through 21. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold. It's pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacketh, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold as pure as transparent glass. Doesn't that sound beautiful? And as you get into the next chapter, it's as if there's going to be a central park there in heaven as well. John goes on to say in Revelation 22, 1 through 2, he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the white church, the tree of life. How many of you have ever wondered, what happened to the tree of life? Remember in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned? Remember they were kicked out of the garden, right? And so it's like, man, what happened to the tree of life? Well, apparently it's in heaven now. He says, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Doesn't that sound beautiful? When Marco Polo made his tour of China and he came back to the Western world, as he told stories of what he saw, he was accused of being a liar and a fabricator. And on his deathbed, the church told him that he would have to recant of the wild tales that he told if he expected to make it into heaven, to which Marco Polo replied, I have not told half of what I saw. And I really believe with all my heart that heaven will be more beautiful than we can even imagine. But here's the thing, it shouldn't shouldn't stop us from trying, right? Also, heaven is a place of love and, and relationship. Heaven is a place of community and connection, closeness. Think about what Jesus told the criminal on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. He says, today you will, what church? Be with me in paradise. In Revelation 21, verse 3, as John describes what heaven is like, he says... And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Let me tell you something. The most amazing thing about heaven is who's going to be there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But not only will God be there, but also our friends and our family 
which again causes people to ask, well, Slate, will we recognize each other in heaven? I believe the Bible teaches that we will. If you look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, it says that every Christian is listed by what church? By name in the Lamb's book of life. We, we maintain our identity. Also, Moses and Elijah, when they appeared to Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember Moses and Elijah had been dead for hundreds of years, even before the disciples were even born, and yet they recognized Moses and Elijah. Now, how is that possible? Was it because Moses and Elijah were wearing name tags? They'd never met these men before, but they knew who they were. I believe the Bible clearly shows that we will know each other. We'll know our friends. We'll, we'll know our, our family. I mean, Paul, he expected to know his brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, he says, You will be proud of us in the same way that we are proud of who? Of you. In other words, we'll, we'll know each other. We'll, we'll recognize each other. One of the things I'm really looking forward to is being able to see our first son that we lost named Gabriel. There's some of you here this morning who struggle with Mother's Day because you've, you've lost your mom. You struggle during Mother's Day because you lost your grandmother. I still have my mom, but I, I've lost both of my grandmothers to the sweetest Christian ladies you'd ever meet. And I can't wait to see them again one day. Maybe for you, it's, it's a spouse. But listen to me, heaven is going to be a place of unbelievable reunions for family and, and friends where, where you will be surrounded by love. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Paul talks about how there are going to be things that are going to cease. He, he talks about how prophecies and speaking in tongues and super knowledge, all these things are going to cease. But he says there are three things that are going to remain, which is faith, hope, and what? And love. And he says the greatest of these is love. And in heaven, we're going to experience that. We're going to be surrounded by the love of God. Psalm 103 verse 17 says, But from everlasting to what church? Everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. Also in, in Psalm 136, verse 26, the psalmist says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love, why church? Endures for what? Forever. And so we will be surrounded by the love of God and and by the, the love of others, for, for some of you, I, I think if you were honest this morning, man, you, you long for that. Because this life has been relationally hard. Maybe you grew up in a home where you should have been loved unconditionally, but you were wounded. 
Or maybe you had a series of relationships that all ended in pain. Or, or maybe you've just lived a very, a very lonely life and, and for reasons you don't understand, you've had no connection, no closeness, and no safety in relationships. And I'm here to tell you this morning, man, heaven is going to open up a whole new world for you. You will be surrounded by relationships and you will be surrounded by love. Which really leads me to my last point this morning. I'm, I'm running out of time. Heaven is a place of joy and happiness. Do you remember the story of the talents? Towards the end of the story in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, it says the master, and remember the masters is, is really a depictment of, of God. The, the master says to the faithful servant, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And then notice what the master says. Come and share your master's what? Happiness. In Psalm 16 verse 11 it says, you will fill me with what church? Joy, where in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Just being with God is going to fill us with joy and, and happiness. But also, I think about the things that won't be in heaven. And I think that's going to make us pretty pretty happy as well. You know, when the writers of, of the Bible would run out of words to say about what heaven is going to be like and what's going to be there, they would oftentimes write about what heaven is not like, what won't be in heaven. For example, Revelation 21 verse 4, John says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more what? Death or mourning or Crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. How many of you would be pretty happy if you didn't have pain right now? Yeah, well, when we get to heaven one day, there's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be any more mourning or, or crying, right? Or, or death. We're going to be pain-free, Advil-free, arthritis-free, because as we saw last week, we're going to have bodies that are perfect. That means no dentures, no counting fat grounds, thank the Lord, no drinking insure. Those who are deaf are going to be able to hear. Those who are blind are going to be able to see. Those with special needs will be healthy and whole and able in body and mind. Our loved ones who are, who are wheelchair bound right now, they're going to be able to run and, and skip. Some of you who live with emotional scars and nightmares and terrible memories of heartbreaks and disappointments that are overwhelming, none of that's going to be in heaven. No nursing homes. No empty tissue boxes, no divorce papers, no motionless ultrasounds. One day will be our last day on planet earth. As I said last week, every, every second three people die. Every hour, 11 
thousand people die. And, and some people die when they're young and some people don't die and, until they're old. They're well over 100 years old, which kind of reminds me of the lady who was in her 90s and she says, man, I just can't wait to die. And someone asked her why. And she said, well, she said, all of my friends have already gone to heaven and, and I just don't want them to think that I, I'm not going to make it or I haven't made it. But one day we're all going to die, right? If the Lord doesn't come back first. And even though it's hard to see on this side, there is something much better on the other side waiting for us. Listen, if you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear what's next. Death is a gateway to life. Eternal life. Heaven is beyond our wildest imagination. It's... In, in our most creative moment, in our deepest thoughts, we can't even begin to understand or, or even grasp what God has prepared for us. It's, it's indescribable. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. He says, I was called up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was called up to paradise and I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things that no human is allowed to tell. In other words, Paul says, man, the things that I saw... He said, man, he said, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to, to tell everything to you about that place. And he said, even if I was allowed to, he said, I wouldn't even be able to describe it with words. Words are just not adequate enough. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. I'm out of time. Let me, let me close with this question. Why does God want us to have a glimpse of heaven because God doesn't want us settling for a low life. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, lessons yours. Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, he says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. He says, think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. Because this is temporary and it's not even our home. And so keep your thoughts there. Be encouraged as you think about being there with God. Surrounded by His people in relationships and, and love. Let's close out with a word of prayer. After our prayer, we're going to have an invitation song. We're closing out our What's Next series. Last week was an awesome Sunday because we had three who were baptized into Christ. And it may be that there's someone here today. You've been thinking about it. And, and I really hope that this encourages you to, to make that move. To put on Christ in baptism. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we're told to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And those who do that will, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or, or today, if, if there's something you want us to pray about, maybe, maybe there's 
There's something that you're struggling with, either physically or spiritually, and, and it's really been distracting you from what's important. And maybe you just want us to pray for you to, to get your thoughts, your focus, back where it needs to be. Or We have our cross up here this morning. There may be something that you want to lay at the cross today. We've got paper and pen, something more of a personal matter. Our elders will uh, pray over those things, and, and I'll pray over those things as well. But if you have a need, after, after this prayer, we're going to go into our invitation and you can come. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for the hope of heaven. Father, we're just so grateful for the salvation that we have in, in Jesus. Father, help us to, to keep our thoughts and, and our focus there. And I know we get distracted here and, and we're tempted at times to think that you know, nothing could be better than, than this, this, this life. Being with you, being in heaven, is so much better. And so, Father, help us to, to keep focus there. Help us to continue to study and, and just imagine what heaven is, is going to be like. I know we can't fully see it, but we can try as we look at your word. Father, if there's someone here today who needs to give their life to you, help them to have the courage to step out into the aisle today, to put on Christ in baptism, or, or if there's someone here today who, who just needs prayer to stay focused, or, or maybe just uh, to, to get through the, the next few weeks. Father, we just pray that you'll be with them, pray that you'll empower them, and Father, we just want you to know how grateful we are for all you do and how much we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Amen.